I shouldn't have any kids scream in the background, but you never know. I just I just checked mine on the wise camera. Just had to, <laughs> I heard her like I'm in the totally opposite side of the house and I heard her screaming out of her crib. So then like I could hear my wife's above me in the bedroom and I could hear her just get up and start walking. Yeah. Together. <laughs> I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to the Deer Vane podcast. Today, I got Grant Oldenburg on the line with me today, uh, also known as, is it Triple Threat Retrievers? Is that what it is on Instagram? Yeah, Triple yep. Threat Retriever. Yep. Yep. Because he used to be, well, you still are a big dog guy, but that used to be like your entire Instagram feed was just yeah. dogs, training dogs, yep. right? Yep. 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 For sure. Do you still train a lot of dogs? Or I yeah. mean, more dog, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. We still do a lot of stuff, but when I lived in Minnesota, I had buddies that we just, they were big into birds and bird dogs. And we, there was tons of duck hunting and stuff around there. And when I moved back down to Illinois, um, I just don't have the same opportunity. I have that same opportunities. I just don't have people to go with. And so sure. deer hunting is easy to do by yourself. And so I just don't do it as much. And also my dog's pretty seasoned. And so like, like we don't yeah. like he's like he just picks it up and he knows what to do so it's not like a lot of training involved anymore it's just like he knows exactly what to do he knows where to go how to do it so um it, it's good to fine tune him once in a while but yeah he just doesn't i i, I don't spend as much time on it, i guess as i used to yeah but. no that makes sense and and yeah so essentially like if you want if you don't have any friends bow hunting is the thing to do if you yeah, have friends much. duck hunting is the thing to do Yep. <laughs> That's probably yep. why we both bow hunt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, yeah, I find that I like, um, if anybody like were to ask me, like I've done some hunting trips with, uh, customers and clients and stuff like that. And I've had like a couple of my coworkers ask me like, well, you're a big bow hunter. Why wouldn't you do like, you seem to always go pheasant hunting with these people or whatever. Why wouldn't you go deer hunting with them? And I'm like, you spend zero time with them. If you're with them, you don't talk to them. You don't say anything for the most part. And half the time you're just sitting in the tree stand farting. And if you're with a business, yeah. party, that's not like what you're after. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense at all. I mean, that, yeah. Right? Other than sharing like deer camp, but like in pheasant hunting is like so easy. Like you just throw in a pair of boots and jeans and orange on and boom, you go like, it's like, right. and you don't have to get up early. You know, like it, it's really a, I don't know, kind of like a gentleman sport, I guess, so to yeah. speak, right? Where you like, it doesn't, it's, it's, it's fun. I love watching a dog work, but yeah, it, 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 it just not as much work. You just go to the field and let your dog do the work, walk behind him, shoots bird versus, I mean, deer hunting, <laughs> it, even duck hunting, man. Duck hunting's a ton of work, man. Like you scouting and, and just all the gear and all this stuff you it's batteries mm. and muddy gear and dirty dogs and like you, if you got a boat, you always got something going on with that thing. Like there's just a lot of work involved with that type of style of hunting. It's fun. I, I love doing it, but that's a part of it too, is you got to, it's, it's the fall is only so long, right? So yeah. man, I want to be fishing. I want to be duck hunting. I want to be pheasant hunting. I want to be deer hunting, but you can't do it all in October, November, you know? So no. you kind of got to pick and choose because you, you got to be out scouting birds to find out where they're at. If, if you want to shoot them or you got to be getting after deer, or, you know, or fishing, you know, you can't, be, mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to do it all at once. Oh yeah. And then you throw in a family, a wife and kids in there. Oh, and it's well, just like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it all goes out the window. Right. So 
Well, yeah. Thank you everybody for joining the podcast. Before we we roll into this with with Grant, just a couple a couple thank yous to our partners, uh, Venado. If you're in, interested in any like outdoor apparel, check out Venado. Um, essentially, like have sweatshirts, t-shirts, long sleeves. Really nice. I have a couple of long sleeves. Some awesome flannels, like the the camp flannel that they have. I forget what it's actually called, but the flannel that they make, the fleece flannel they make is bomb like i got one for free right in the beginning with when working with them they sent me like a care package and i bought two more myself like flat out without like i didn't use my promo code or nothing they're they're that nice and then i buy them for people for christmas all the time so like check out those fleece flannels they are awesome especially if you're like well i wear them i even wear them like under my camo sometimes when it's really butt-ass cold and i didn't have i recently bought well, last, maybe it was two seasons ago. I bought, um, the, the first light, they have three systems for like heat, right? Like, like the light gear, the midweight, and then the heavy one. And I forget what they call the midweight one, which is like the kiln. Is that what it is? It's like, I think it's, or I could look the, for the layering system. Yeah. But they have like, um, yeah, they have three, they have like the furnace, the, the, Oh, I forget what their kits are. Yeah, but they obviously they're not gonna. Well, maybe they'll be in here. Um, hold on. Sorry, everybody. This I just got to check this out. They have the solitude. Is oh, one of that, them. that's it. Yeah, solitude, the sanctuary. Solid. It's a sanctuary. Sanctuary is yeah. the heavyweight. Solitude. I didn't know where you're going with this. I could have yeah, helped yeah. you out there. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, sanctuary is the heavy one. Solitude's the midweight. And before I bought that which I do really like that. Like, I'm very happy with that. I'm very happy with the bibs. The bibs are phenomenal. The jacket, my jacket zipper is a little messed up, but I've gotten used to it. It's got, it's just got, you got a trick. There's a trick to it. And I hope not everybody gets that same zipper. But um, besides that, before I got that thing, I used to wear that fleece under all my, all my gear. And that fleece from Venado just like was money. It's so warm. It was so nice. So if you guys get a chance, check out Venado, go look that stuff up. Vector Custom Arrows, it is mid-August right now. If you guys do not have your arrows, like, get your shit together. <laughs> um, or if you're finding, like, you throw on your broadheads and your shit's just going all over the place and you realize it's the spine of your arrow or something and you got to go get a brand new set of arrows, call Isaac, call the Vector Custom Shop guys, get a hold of them, tell them, tell them the situation, ask what they got on hand. Tell them your specs and everything, and they'll just ship you six six arrows or a dozen arrows and have them all set up right to your bow. So that broadhead should be flying pretty well right out the gate. And if it's not, well, at least the arrow will be right. Might be your tune, like your rest, or your grip, or, or how you're holding your bow or your grip, or, or I'm sorry, your release or something like that. However, check out Vector Custom Arrows if that is seems to be an issue if you need to respine. And especially one of the other things I see people do is like uh, people will practice at like 65 pounds over the summer and then they'll turn it up to 75 pounds or something like that, or from 60 up to 70 during season. And they won't take that into account with their arrow. And then all of a sudden their arrow is flying a little wonkier. And like, for me, I know like uh, I should have a 31 inch draw and at 65 pounds, I'm supposed to shoot a 350 spine arrow. And at 75 pounds, I shoot a 250 spine arrow. And I'm like right on the cusp of that. So it's, it, it makes a big difference. Like if you turn that up 10 pounds, so 
definitely check that out if you're one of those people that like practice lighter or shoot lighter over the summer than turn it up in the in the fall. Um, and then the last one, Onyx Maps. You guys need GPS mapping, uh, private public land, like boundary barriers, things like that. You want to understand where people are. You want to create waypoints. You want to send waypoints to friends. You want to look at topo maps, satellite maps. You want to plot courses. I know like I'm going elk hunting this fall. Grant's going elk hunting this fall. I'm sure you're bopping around on Onyx all the time, dropping waypoints, checking out where you want to go. Am I right? Yeah. Dude, you know what I use it the most for is like just looking up, um, like you hear, you ever forget your neighbor's name or like somebody nearby where like, oh, I, I know, I know what their name. I can't remember. I'll pull up Onyx. I know where they live. I'm like, Oh, that's what it is. <laughs> or like I use Dude. it for like non hunting related stuff oh, all yeah. the time, all the yes. time. Yep. Like I use it at work, like for certain stuff too, where I'm like trying to look at property lines or whatever. Like, it, it, I don't know, it's just, it comes in handy for, and people ask me like, is it really worth having, you know, like and I'm trying to figure out which package to get. Like to just get the the elite membership, get the whole thing, all US. Like when you're driving across some state or somewhere, like I don't know why it comes up, but you always seem to I, I use it for all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And especially like the thing that always gets me is like, is this a county park? Is this a state park? Like what what is this wildlife refuge thing? Who owns this and is it huntable or not? Like what's going on here? Um, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of that in Wisconsin, like land that is owned privately but is open to the public and you're like all right what is this registered under and that helps a lot and then uh, yeah as you're going across states and stuff it's pretty it's pretty fun um it's a quick story on that before we hop into here <laughs> one, um, one time we were heading out to colorado for an elk hunt and it was like we got into iowa about 9 p.m and we got out of iowa about 1 a.m or something like that like just you know straight across maybe it was like three four hour trip mm-hmm. um and when we got to the end my buddy caleb was like well boys i matched up on tinder 13 times and my other buddy goes 13 times across the entire state of iowa you only matched 13 times <laughs> and we all had a good laugh at that and we called them 13 for the rest of the trip <laughs> I, I never got into the tinder thing so i, I can't relate to any of that like no, i was you like and I, you and i got out of the yeah, game right at that yeah. time he's like seriously like that like the minute that stuff was rolling around like yeah that was that was all said and done was, i was wrapped up yeah 2012 2012 was when like because you you and i graduated at the same time from platteville right yeah you, yep. yeah yeah, so that that winter whatever was when that shit came out, and then yeah. and then yeah, I never even got on it because I was dating my wife. So I was yeah, like, same oh. here. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure. We, I don't think we really missed anything, obviously, but no, no. I mean, there might have been like a. We learned how to do it the hard way. We <laughs> could just use our our smartphones to find <laughs> yeah. chicks. Meet them at the bar. That's what you yeah. do. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. Anyway side story onyx maps you guys need something like that check it out um <clears throat> check it out and yeah i think they have a free like uh seven day trial so just give that a go if you guys like it awesome if you don't you still get to keep the app and you also get to keep the waypoints that you create you just don't get the private public land boundaries and there's other couple other things that you don't get but um but yeah pretty slick app so talking to grant today um and before we hopped on so you had a hell of a time, like 
getting your food plots in is what you were saying. Let's recount that story. And then I got like shit to ask you about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, we, last week we got like six and a half inches of rain, uh, between like Sunday night and Monday. And I was, I seen rain was coming to forecast last week. And I was like, man, and we went, we actually went to our cabin last weekend, but I was like, in, which is in, um, uh, central Wisconsin. And I was thinking like, I really should have got in, but luckily we didn't because like all over our property stuff is washed out everywhere. And I'm pretty sure our seed would have just been gone. I mean, we have like trails and, and roads throughout there. And I, we went out hiking there today and I, there's a couple spots where, I mean, it's like a couple feet deep. I mean, I, I don't even know how it's possible. We have some pretty steep hills and stuff throughout yeah. the property, but, um, so anyway, I was lucky I didn't do it last weekend. And then I just get like itchy. I, where I want to get it in because I know it's going to take a certain amount of time to do it. Um, I always want to so get it in too, Grant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in more ways than one, I agree. Um, but so I had it planned out like all, like for the last like six months, like August 13th, August 20th, like those one of those two weekends, I'm going to do it depending on weather. Yeah. And forecast shows like, now oh, there wasn't a whole lot of rain in the forecast, but I was like, whatever. I'm doing it the 13th. So, um, I'm doing something different this year. Uh, I've tried all kinds of different stuff. It, it, this has just been like learning by trial and error. And like, um, it's it, my, our food pot game is, it's definitely evolved in the last four years. Start off like just one little quarter acre plot. Maybe it was even less than that. And we're using a two bottom plow. And then we were hand seeding it using a drag. And then we end up getting a rototiller. And then we would drag it in. Now I got a cultipacker, but now I want to get away from utilizing a tilling. I want to go no-till was my goal. And so now, you know, as we keep evolving and getting more equipment, um, I keep kind of changing strategies and then building more plots too and figuring out how to build them. So now um, we took a couple of ag fields and turned them into food plots where I planted switchgrass in like, uh, so if, if it's a, a rectangular field, I put a T of switchgrass in it um, because, so think of a square and outside uh, three sides, the bottom and the both sides are woods around it. The top is other ag fields up there. And then the T shape, I have switchgrass in there to block me coming in. I can walk in um, and then that T doesn't go all the way down. It goes like 40 yards from the field or from the edge of the woods and I have a, a bail blind there and then we have stands around or whatever but so I have two sets like that that are kind of side by side separated by finger of woods and uh so we, we planted that switchgrass in there and so now we're up to like six acres and I have a few other like clover plots throughout the woods that, that I've made last couple of years but um but I, what I want to do is I want to go to no-till um I just I think it's the more I, that was my goal when I started and I did this like spreadsheet and I figured out like what was going to be cost effective for like, okay, buy a tiller and seed and all that stuff. And then like, what's a no-till drill? Um, you know, what's it going to cost to spray and possibly even, I want to get a crimper, you know? So I figured out all these different cost structures with it, knowing that I wanted to go no-till and wanted to use no, no herbicide i don't want to use any chemicals but it was just so expensive like that route was just too expensive and we had decent dirt that we could do it without it but now like that was i was transitioning towards so now i'm to get where i've 
he has some pretty easy ways to do no-till plots. And so what I did this year was that um, I, I tried to keep it mowed down a little bit. Actually, I sprayed it several times, but it didn't matter like how much I sprayed it. The weeds just kept coming. So I was like, all right, I'm tired of buying, you know, two and a half gallons of glyphosate at a hundred bucks and spraying the stuff all the time. I'm just going to mow it till I get close and then I'm going to spray it and then I'll broadcast into it. But of course stuff happens. I got little kids and I didn't get out there to mow in time. Now I got stuff that was pretty tall. Um, so what I did this time was, and we'll see how it turns out, but I just broadcasted into those weeds and they're anywhere from knee to waist high. Um, they're not like super thick, but I broadcasted directly into them. I cultipacked it. Sorry, I'm going to take that back. I sprayed first. Then I broadcasted into it. I cultipacked it. So I flattened out the weeds, made sure it got seed down in the ground. And then I sprayed it again. Um, so the idea is then that you have those weeds down there. It creates a thatch, keeps other weeds from growing. And then the rest of that, that seed should pop up through there. Um, so planted all... Um, uh, greens mix brassicas um, in in one side of the field and then the other side I, I kind of split up these plots so I could be diverse have diversity in them I have clover in some my brassicas they have like a, a, a winter green mix with it's going to be rye I'll have to put some rye in there in a couple of weeks and you have late planted beans and oats and peas winter peas and um so kind of have that idea because last year I did corn and I don't, I think it was raccoons and I think it was, I don't know how much it was deer, but I drove my ranger through this three acres of corn and there wasn't a kernel anywhere <laughs> at, and December 9th, there was no corn anywhere in three acres. So I was like, well, this does me absolutely no good. This is why I planted it. Right. So I could have corn right now. And so this year I'm going with greens and cause I know they can't wipe those up. The coons, the Turkey, like uh, they're, they're not going to wipe me out. And I have, we have enough of it out there that I, I should be able to keep it later in the year, you know, as long as everything grows good, which I think it should, but um, yeah. So just kind of, it, it's evolved. Um, I'm working on building a crimper. Do you know, have you seen those? No, I don't even know what that is. All right. So, instead of spraying you, you plant like a cover crop you can plant right. like buckwheat or, or rye or stuff like that and then these crimpers is basically like a really big roller with bars or like uh, teeth on them or it basically like a big chunk of iron sticking off these rollers that put like a break into the stem of it and so as you go over it it breaks those stems and that's what kills it is breaking the stems of that plant or whatever it is and so that will terminate it completely and gotcha how i kind of found out about it was like i think uh on growing deer tv grant woods he oh, has this buffalo yeah. food plot theory google yeah. google and, uh i just googled crimper for farming tons of yeah tons of images All right. so my go my goal is to make one of those or my my dad's gonna i think he's gonna help me make one of those and uh that I'll be able to use that. And that way I won't have to use any chemicals. I'll be able to do no-till eventually I'd like to get a drill, but I mean, those things are expensive. Like I did the, the break even analysis on some of that stuff. I was like, that just never pays. You got to have money to get one of those. And, and I don't think you need that to do your plot. So we'll see if I ever go and that'd be nice to do, but um, yeah, 
So I, and, and I, I'm, I'm with the no-till in terms of uh, just not spraying, like not putting herbicide on there and not having to like introduce the chemicals And glyphosate is, it's an awful chemical just in general. Um, Did you hear that recent study on that stuff? Yeah. The, I mean, Joe Rogan posted it. I haven't actually read the, read the study, but what he did, he did a podcast. Yeah. Yeah, Hold on. Sorry. But he did a podcast. uh, Rogan did like two years ago with a guy that went like, like behind the scenes on uh, Monsanto, 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 whatever that it owns roundup and did all stuff. Like, and I watched the, um, it on YouTube. And so they showed all that. So you could see the videos and stuff. I never, ever want to use this stuff again. I sprayed it all weekend, but because this is the option at road, I went down this year, but I never, ever want to use it again. Like how they produce it, what it does to like what they're doing with like the byproduct waste of the stuff is unbelievable. Like it just makes you go, I never want to buy this stuff again. Never want to use it. I, yeah. So to your point, study, go ahead. I, I, you, you were talking yeah. about the study. Well, yeah. I mean, and I, I think I listened to that one cause it comes out as like a black sludge and they just like pile it up. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, it's like a, it's a mountain of toxic waste. It looks like molten, uh, like yeah. lava rock of just waste yeah, yeah. i mean and it's never going to go they just keep making it bigger and bigger and bigger and they have no plans to do anything with it and right. somewhere in idaho like i mean just yeah they the story was that they tried using it in like as a um as like a within like making concrete um and it was like like in the foundations of homes and they were doing like they flew over and they had it like on one of those little, I don't know what it is. Like, I'll, I'll just think of it like a heat map. And all of a sudden, like the town was glowing with radioactive like chemicals. And they found it was all in the foundations of these homes. And the city said they were going to make it like a wasteland basically. Right. Like they were going to, I don't remember what the term is for the city. Um, when they do a see towns, this is what I was talking about. Like, oh, I said, Steve is so smart. Steve Renault, and he knows everything. Yeah, yeah. I consume all this stuff and I forget half the shit I consume. I just remember <laughs> bits and parts of it. But anyways, they, yeah, yeah. they were like, no, you guys get out of here. EPA go away. Like, we're just going to live with it this way. We know that this is totally unhealthy for us, but we're just going to live with it because our homes would be worth nothing. Our community would be destroyed, like go away. And so that was like the end of it. But like, yeah. Yeah, back to using glyphosate. Dude, yeah. I never want to use it. Um, but was, uh, it's important to talk about that study, I think, if no, yeah, people was, haven't heard about it. 80, 80%. It was a study. Uh, uh, again, I, I headline read this. So take it for what it's worth, but you could just Google this, which is uh, uh, 80% of cancer patients that were studied in however many people it was but 80 percent of them had glyphosate in their urine was it cancer patients i guess i missed that part of the study if that was it yeah it's cancer patients so like yeah in their urine which yeah. means like we're consuming it through food and that we're spraying it onto which makes sense right you're spraying something on the ground that kills every organism possible and to think that like oh it's don't worry this is safe for you to eat that makes no sense but we all do it like and I don't know how we get away from this. I like, I don't know how as like a nation, like how do you feed all these people and go through this? I don't know how, like we're down yeah. this road. It, it It's going to take a massive movement to shift. Like, I don't know. It's a, uh, it's a whole nother. Yeah. 
rabbit hole, I guess. It is. But. That's a yeah. That's a wild. It's wild to think, right? Because then it's like, all right, well, individually, you could grow some of your own vegetables. You could grow more. Um, and right. you know, glyphosate is is sprayed on pretty much corn, soybeans, potatoes, tomato, like anything that's anything that is mass produced and farms. Glyphosate is one of the number one chemicals to kill all the other weeds, right? Yeah. Better yield, yeah. better, pro- better production, better profits for everybody. Um, yeah. But then the other thing is um, obviously it can, it can hurt you a lot and you'd think it might wash off, but I guess trace amounts are in there and whatnot. But then also using like Roundup, people use Roundup all the time. You know, you go buy it at the store and whatnot, and you spray your weeds with it all over your yard. Um but yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild. And so I am with you on the no-till method. Um, one of my, one of my dad's best friends is a organic farmer and he has been for like 40 years. Um, and now he's his, his sole job. Now he retired from everything. And now his sole job is organic dirt. Like he owns a, he owns a, a like a Creek Valley. It's kind of, it's kind of a river kind of, it's almost like in between a Creek and a river. I feel like a Creek is like, eight feet wide or less <laughs> and a river is like 20 is it a creek or a creek it's a creek yeah i think it's a creek here <laughs> um in wisconsin and yeah just, uh, the point of steve ranella what is it it's a creek if it has a tire right <laughs> then it's yeah. a creek <laughs> yeah i grew up called there's a creek by my house and it was the creek it was not the creek and if you call it a creek you're from out of town but anyway yeah well whatever don't care <laughs> yeah um, but uh the yeah. So he has that and it's, he owns like an old, old, uh, Valley. So he has all this really, really rich dirt. And what he does is to get more dirt, he plants like buckwheat and then just drives over it and kills it. Then it yeah. all falls down, decomposes, makes more dirt. And he yeah, like yeah. rotates portions of his farm for the dirt that he takes. And all he does is dig dirt and sell dirt. And he's like, yeah. interesting. For people's gardens. Yeah, he's like, it's the easiest shit I've ever done, man. I go out there with my backhoe. I dig a bunch of dirt. I drive it to Madison. I drop it off. They pay me a bunch of money. And then I come home and that's my, I don't have to make any more money for the week. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) crazy. So, yeah, that's interesting stuff. But yeah, he's he's a huge organic farmer. So I asked him, how do I do this without, without tilling or without herbicides? And he's like, you can't like, he's like, I, I wouldn't, you'd have to till, you have to till a lot. Uh, you have to till and till and till to, to just keep breaking those weeds up, let them sprout, kill them, let them sprout, kill them, let them sprout, kill them. And he's like, that's what you'd have to do. But otherwise, hey, but it, like, you just have to, if you want to, you just have to go back to the way we used to it, life would be, you can't be convenient. Life can't be convenient anymore. You have to go back to growing your own things. And like, it, we just, if you think about it, everything in life, is like all of the upgrades in life or all the new things we've been are all based on convenience to yeah. our lives. Like every single, like you just think about any invention, it's all about convenience. And we just gotten used to this, this lifestyle and we'd have to completely change every, every all of our lifestyles would have to completely change if we wanted to do that. And I don't think there's appetite until uh, maybe we won't see in our lifetime or maybe it's, maybe it's hope to God, not like high cancer rates and children or, you know, something like it's going to have to drastically change people's way of thinking to to go another way. Yeah. Yeah. No shit. It'd probably be something more catastrophic other than 
glyphosate. Oh, right. That would that yep. would change the world and then people would have to grow their own food or something. Yeah. Like right. But, uh, but yeah, what a rabbit hole that is. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So the yeah, the, I mean the food plot, the food plot thing, like getting a crimper, that looks pretty sweet. Um, and I'm curious to see how your so this would be my second year trying a food plot. First year, I really didn't put a whole lot of effort into it. Um, but um, but we did one of the plots that I planted that came in okay. I'd say on a scale of one to 10, one being awful, 10 being great, I'd give it like a five or a six. Like it was there and they were eating out of it, but it was um, not very good. And I would all, they're like, there's a, there's multiple reasons. It was pretty rocky. It had a lot of wood chips in it. The year that I wanted to do it, we have a power line cut. The company, mm-hmm. the the utility company came in and trimmed out a ton of trees and they have this, they have like one of those, um, uh, brush hog that uh, brush hogs yeah. that are on the front of a bobcat. So it just yep. like grinds it and spits it. And so they just spit it everywhere. Yeah. Big chunks um, everywhere. Yeah. So that doesn't really help for a food plot, right? When you're trying to plant a food plot in there. Um, right. but, uh, but that one was just, uh, just push everything over with a four wheeler, spray it all and then throw your seed in it. And it came up. All right. So in this year we have one, we have about, I would say it's probably an eighth of an acre, maybe a well, maybe a quarter acre. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and it's all dirt right now. We sprayed it two weeks ago with crossbow. And apparently like I asked my dad, I was like, what are you going to Like I bought him, um, it was called barrier and I didn't really look at it, but I asked my dad, I was like, Hey, are you going to go spray that? And, or I'm going to come down to the property and do it. And he was there. He's like, Oh no, I'll spray it. So he sprayed it with crossbow. I looked it up and it's three weeks after you spray it, you can plant it. So he sprayed it the last week of July. So I have to wait until this coming weekend, essentially to plant it. Um, mm-hmm. But it looks looking like we got a lot of rain coming. So then plant it. And then hopefully, you know, it comes up and then next year, you know, it's very similar to like, you know, buckwheat in there and then mow it, crimp it, do whatever, just like get it pushed yeah. down and then yep. and kill it with glyphosate and then seed it. Um, but if I can, if this crimper thing's pretty slick and it works buying a four wheeler, maybe I'll try to do that. You know, it's probably they're, bucks. Oh, they're, they're expensive. Uh, like really expensive. That's why I'm trying to build one. And there's no, there's no used ones around. Like it's fairly, it's like something that was, they did a long time ago and now it okay. went away for a while and now it's coming back where people are using them. Um, hmm. there's a, company up there in wisconsin that i seem to make and i try contact and see what it costs but it's like i mean you're talking thousands of dollars to get one to oh, really? a decent size one like a one three point just go behind a tractor uh, and they make them for you can do like a pull behind on a utv or something like that but um if you're doing buckwheat I really well if you don't want to spray it that's different you got to crimp it that's the only way to do it if you're not going to spray it but you can yeah. push it over with anything if you're going to spray it, but right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, if yeah. you don't want to spray, then you just run a crimp. I don't know. Food plots, man, they're, they're a ton of work and like, we'll see how I, how it goes this year. Um, last year I ended up finding four sheds or five sheds. Maybe it was even more. Maybe it was like six sheds or something like that in our, in these, in the plots. Um, some of it was even like we planted some na- natural grasses, found it in there. The deer were in there eating those in the wintertime, which was surprising. Okay. They weren't like monster sheds or, I mean, they were all small, but so it helped me did f- find a few sheds. 
it didn't help us shoot any deer. Um, it didn't help keep deer around in the late season anymore. Like it, we had a really dry summer last year. So our plots were pretty poor. And like I said, I think the coons ate all my corn, but I was questioning, I'm questioning right now, like, is it worth having this much of a plot having like, it sounds like, Oh, wow. Six acres. But like the cost of it, the time it takes me to do it. I don't know if the benefit is there. Um, yeah. Well, well, when you consider that after you've shot both your bucks the last couple of years on the water hole, yeah. like, well, do you think they're in there? Because I've, I, I interrupted your thought there. Um, but just for anybody like listening in on this combo, um, Grant and I went to college together a long ways back and Grant picked up bow hunt a few years back. I mean, you've always kind of bow hunted, but like you really started getting into it. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't bow until after college. I oh, really? I thought until after college. college. Okay. I gun hunted, but I, yeah. I never bow hunted until after college. Gotcha. So yeah, picked it up and then, um, and then shot two really nice bucks last couple of years, um, on a water hole. And I got to put in water holes, uh, today's Sunday, but next Sunday I'm putting in water holes. I'm trying to put in three of them, um, in a mm-hmm. day, which I know is going to be kind of kind of tough. Uh, you'll be you'll be all right you don't take that long <laughs> all right good you, you uh, that's what done. i like to hear that's what i like to hear easy button convenience yeah grant yeah. i need it to be convenient and easy. dude i'm telling you <laughs> water holes i'd way rather use water holes than in food plots because here's the thing about like uh a quarter acre plot or, or i mean in which we have we have these small plots like when the deer hit them you get like a week window like for a week and then i don't know ours this way ours are anyways you get like this week or two week window and it's gone like they're there and it's hot and there's i mean there'll be 13 deer 20 deer in this little food plot and then like two weeks after that it's gone like it's like so i and then there's nothing there left late season like all of a sudden when they can't find food they all just crush these little itty bitty plots and it's gone so if the wind's not right or you're not you know you Oh, I can't hunt this weekend, or I hunt one day this weekend, and all week long you're sitting there at work and your cell cam's going off, and they're in this plot, and it's not during your rutcation or whatever it is. Like, right now you just spend all that time clearing that land, planting, getting equipment in there, breaking equipment, and fixing it. Like you're doing all this stuff, and it's like it's gone. Where you put that <laughs> water hole in, and it takes you uh, a couple hours to dig a hole, fill with water, and then. If, as long as you keep it filled with water, which that could be a little bit tricky, but um, like this summer, we've had enough rain where I haven't had to refill them all summer long. And then you have this water hole that sits there forever and they can, they, they utilize that just as much as they do a food plot and, but all year long. Right. So right. in my opinion, like I have food plots and I've done a bunch of them. And so maybe I'll have a different, idea this year but i'm thinking like we expanded we have over, like six acres i'm considering shrinking it down because i don't see the benefit of it right now having that mm. or whether it's it's a time thing and a money thing like it i just don't see it helping where i'm at and what the way we're, our land lays out and how we hunt like i did not and it has not helped me kill deer so i don't know why i'm doing it oh <laughs> like i enjoy it right but <laughs> Now I have little kids and like, I don't have time to be do is like I, my fun things are like, I want to go fishing or I want to actually hunt and I enjoy doing this type of stuff, but I just don't have the, the same time as I right. used to, I guess. 
So yeah, how far how far of a drive is it to the property? A long ten minutes. <laughs> okay, so it's not like you're going. Not, no, no, and I, just, I sprayed on a Wednesday night, but still tough. I mean, it's still tough to to get out there and do. And I mean, so we have 260 acres that we hunt. Um, it's my in-laws property. Um, I'm a five acre home and then we have a cabin up North. Like my projects never end. Like I always have a list of things to do. Like, and then like my goal this year was to just enjoy our property out there, like to enjoy it more. Like it's, it's on a river and we probably have a mile long, um, riverfront. And my goal is like, I'm, I'm going to go fish out there a couple of times or like, I want, I just want to enjoy it more rather than work so much. I haven't gone fishing out there. Like there's always something to do. Like we have these big washouts all over the property. Now we got to fix those with a skid steer. We have trees constantly down that we're cutting down. There's mowing to do. Like there's, I was trimming lanes for a couple tree stands tonight. Like there's, it just never ends, you know, it, if you, if you want to do it and you know, I guess I don't have to do all this stuff, but I have this like, thing where whatever i'm into i just go 100 into it and yeah. i didn't really re- realize this for a long time that that was a thing but like whether it was like sports right played baseball in college and mm-hmm. you i know, you played soccer in college you know too who lives right next to me now who's that shane murphy no kidding he lives that's, two that's houses funny. or three two or three houses away yeah <laughs> that's funny he just had a little and said a little baby yeah yeah he did yeah, yeah. yeah. Sorry, everybody, yeah. for that little catch up. I just had to tell Grant because he mentioned baseball and Shane played baseball in college and we all yeah. knew each other. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. anyway. Yeah. And uh dude, I under I understand the 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 commitment, the time commitment, right? So yeah. so for me, it's an hour and a half to drive there. Um and it's it's yeah, it's all about like what do you want out of this? And when you own a piece of property, there is like I, I can't like my dad is there. Like we bought this property just as like kind of a hunting property. We built a cabin on it. Um, way nicer than than anything I'd expect. And then my dad essentially like I had one guy ask me the other day. I went to go a, a buddy of mine just got done being deployed, met in town, and his dad goes, Hey, did your dad like is he separated from your mom? Does he just live out there? Is there like is that a thing? And he was like super concerned for my family. And I was like, no, no, my, I mean, that's a reasonable assumption, but no, my sure. dad, my dad just goes there four days a week or five days a week, yeah. he just comes home for two, three days. And he, but, and granted my dad, half the time, he's just like fucking around on the tractor, but he's always doing something, mowing, cutting down trees, cleaning up this, this property has sat idle for uh, almost 30 years before we got it. So there's just mm-hmm. like stuff everywhere. Yeah. Right. Yep. And yeah, I mean, washouts, you know, now I'm trying to do a food plot in there. So he's helping me out with that. When he's yep. down there, we're cutting new trails this year. We're doing this, doing that. Like there's just all sorts of stuff that you can be, you can be doing. Right. Yeah. It's as much as you want to do and make of it, man. There's always all kinds of stuff, but, um, and, and some of it too, like my mind has changed on, on conservation stuff and how to hunt the property and how to set it up and lay it out sometimes it hurts to go in there and do a whole bunch of stuff right away. Like, cause I'm sure you're seeing that too. Like you had envisioned something one way and all of a sudden the next year, like, man, thank God I didn't do that or whatever I was thinking yeah. of because I don't want to do that anymore. Like this is the way it should be. So yeah, oh, that yeah. kind of evolves from year to year too. 
For sure. For sure. For us, like um, we've had the property for four years, first year, like, and we have two fields, right? So they rotated crop, corn, soybeans, corn, soybeans. You're trying to figure that out. But then also no one had ever hunted it in 25 years or 20 years. So like the deer were all coming up to those fields and all of a sudden we're there all the time, like tearing down the mobile home that was there, building a shed, like all there. And like there were, I was getting pictures of deer in these fields when we first bought the property. And then the second year, like less deer in those fields. And then third year, like you only see them. I only get pictures of them at night now, right out Mm -hmm. in these fields. So then, and now my dad flipped it all into CRP. So now no, there's no crops there anymore. And so now it's like cut, cut out. Is this the first year? Yeah. 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 Yep. So So, yeah, that'll be a big change and interesting. So now there's like literally no food source on our property at all. They have to go to the neighbors. So, uh-huh. and that's one of the, that's one of the things I want to talk to you about, like, which was the water holes because, um, had Dylan lens out from whitetail habitat solutions works with Jeff Sturgis. And he was like, yep. he, he recommended, even though we have a running Creek going through the property or Crick, if that's what you need <laughs> for me to tell you to understand that, <laughs> uh, he, uh, even though we have a crick on the property, he recommended water holes. He's like, yeah, I, I think he recommended six of them. I'd have to look at my map again, create a little map and where they all go. But yeah, he recommended six. I was like, Dylan, why would, why would we do that? And he's, and his thought for any, for anybody who listens to the podcast, you've heard this before, but just to reiterate, it is, um, it's not that deer are lazy it's that they're they're efficient and you want to create consistent travel patterns so like if they're running a side hill one of these ridges that we we have we own a valley and there's a creek in the valley and we own both the north and south side of this valley if they're running that ridge line and you want them to keep running that ridge line like you have stands set up along that ridge line and you want them to keep moving along there the if they come from the neighbors and they're on that trail and they have to go down to the valley to get the water and then come back up the hill to get back on that same trail to keep going. They could work around you. They could cross the valley. They could go down to the water, turn around and go back the other way. They can do all sorts of things. If you put a water hole on that trail or like, you know, five yards off that trail and they know it's there, they're going to be more consistent on that trail because they don't have to go down to the valley to get, to get yeah. water. That yeah, and, is in deer as you know, they deer want to be comfortable and feel safe too. So like if you could put in a location that they would prefer to be, if, if the main trail was at the Creek, you'd be hunting along the Creek, but you're, you know what I mean? So like if, if you're up by a main trail and you want to, if you want to put water on there to get them to stop and, and take mm-hmm. a drink and, and you want to, um, it's, it's kind of like a, a bait pile in a way, but it's not, um, it's natural because they naturally find holes in the ground with water everywhere in the woods when it rains, but to find a pile of corn in the middle of the woods is really strange for a deer. Right. (laughs) So they're going to react differently to like those two types of things, but it, but it hunts in a way that it brings them in similar to something like that to like, whether it's a Mm -hmm. mineral lick or corn on the ground, like they, it's a way to attract them to an area. And yeah. they're comfortable being in and they're already traveling. Now they're going to want to travel that even more because, oh, I, I could, I'm going to this side, you know, to this food source and there's four different ways to get there, but there's a water hole on the way that's on the safe route that we normally travel anyways. Like you're going to get more deer going across and utilizing it there. 
Yeah. So is that how, like you said, you guys have a mile for a mile from a yeah. like river, but you still yep. these last couple bucks out of a box blind and a water hole, and you've killed them both, or at least had pictures of both of them right on that water hole. Um, yeah. Is that how you set that up? So the yeah. So the one. So this year I killed two bucks out of the same stand, the same water hole. Um, and that water hole is a hundred yards off the river. So like they yeah. don't, they don't, I mean, they, I'm sure they're going to go to the river if they need water, if they're really desperate for it. But what we found is like, they, they prefer these little stagnant holes or, and we're using fiberglass ponds so that um, it holds water and doesn't dry up and it doesn't create issues with EHD. So we have these small fiberglass water holes, or we have plastic like old fish ponds that we use um, in a couple of cases. And you really can use anything. Like I got a cousin that uses uh, this little, like like a blue kiddie pool. And he's laid on the ground and use that and, and they come in and drink out of that too. Um, we don't necessarily like the look of a blue kiddie pool in, in the <laughs> middle of the woods. So like, yeah. like we have ones that look more natural and we dig them in. And so they look like just a hole of water, you know, a water hole in the ground there. Yeah. Um, but we had an area where I've set this up at is it, it's kind of like a, a, it's a transition point really. And almost a funnel away, but it's, but it's like, Oh, a hundred, it's not a hundred yards wide, but it's probably 80 yards wide. And so they just, they would go anywhere through that area. Um, and sure. kind of lay it up probably a little bit more. It's kind of like a big woods type setting where we have a 260 acre chunk, but it's kind of, it's not completely square. There's some different fingers coming off and stuff, but we're like in the center on one side, there's a thousand acres of timber and the other side, there's 600 acres of timber. And it's like, there's no houses and it's, it's not developed. So we're kind of like in the middle of it and it's all woods. And so like the deer can just go anywhere and they do. And so I wanted to, you know, I would, I set this box blind up first I knew it was in a good area, but then like I would see them during the rut and I, one day out of the stand, it's 13 different bucks. I saw cruising through here during the rut, but I just couldn't get shots on them. One, you're shooting out of a box blind. So it's a little bit more difficult too. like, they just wouldn't, or at least the ones I want to shoot wouldn't, I couldn't get them to come in. So I was like, I need, I need a water hole over here. And it took me a long time to kind of figure out where I wanted to set it up with winds and where they'd be most comfortable. Um, and I end up getting in a really good spot um, after, and then the other part is you got to figure out how do you get water to it, right? So it's got to be an area that's accessible so that you can get water into it to refill it. Um, so I had it in a spot and immediately I was getting pictures of deer on it, um, like within days of setting it up. Like they, I don't know how they find it. They must, I, I don't know if it, it has to have a smell to them. I mean, I don't know how else they find it, right? But like they find it and no matter what ones I put in, like they find it immediately and I'll get bucks that I've never seen before. And I won't get them on any camera other than one at a water hole. Like they're not in the area, like and somehow they find this water hole, which it, so there's something to them, them understanding this, obviously I don't know the scientific behind it, but they were, they were utilizing it really hard. And, um, if people think it's really crazy and weird, like, why would you set it up You're on a river? Like people want to buy properties that have water running through it. But I would say if you're buying property, you should buy something where there's no water. 
Like you want, if there's no water for a long ways around it and you put these water holes there, you're going to have the deer Mecca there of everything, everybody coming to get water up your farm because there's not water for a mile around there. Right. Like that would be the, the best property that I think after like the success that, and what I've seen in these water holes is that is what I would do. But that's it. So do you, do you put, when you fill up the water holes, so I was reading about, about them on the whitetail habitat solutions thing. And I looked at a couple of them and some people suggest, uh, putting dirt in the tub that you bury. Do you do that? No, it just gets in there naturally. I don't like putting anything right. in it. Um, I just fill it up and I, some, you get a little bit of dirt in there when you're digging it in and then you get all leaves in there and every spring I go and I rake out the leaves out of there. Um, sure. and, and I get pictures of deer standing in them all the time and coons going in and out of them. So like they get enough of that in there. I don't put any dirt in there. Um, and honestly, they drink it enough or it rains enough where it doesn't get like too stagnant, nasty. I mean, it kind of does, but they usually drink it down or if it's raining enough that it's filling it back up, like it's stirring it up enough to where it's fine. It's too um, right. I do put. Like there's a couple of different methods you can do to try to keep, cause I've had a squirrel die in there before. Um, but I'll get like a, a limb that is like bent just right so that it's flat on top and it curves down into my water hole so they can climb out of it. Or I've seen people put like cinder blocks, like steps on, on there. Sure. So when the water level goes down that those critters can get back out of there. Cause they, you don't want to show up there. Like I, I don't think there's deer that want to go in there and drink out of a water hole with a couple of dead squirrels or, chipmunks no. or whatever else in it or so that always helps yeah. put something like that in there too gotcha yeah, yeah so then i mean and do you think you picked like now that you've hunted that water hole a few times obviously you've have been successful on it have you ever said like man i should have moved it like 30 yards this way or were you nope. like nope that yeah that it. that was perfect uh, and my blind's already there i had a couple of different spots i could have put it to around my blind um that probably would have been easier to fill and stuff but no i'm glad i put it where it was and i think uh i wouldn't change anything about putting it there but and i seesawed around where to put it for like and it really shouldn't be that big big of a decision but i thought about it for quite a while and trying to figure out the like the absolute perfect spot to put it in so what yeah talk so, me through that like i don't like so well, you know dylan dylan when dylan came out to our property he literally like tied a yellow ribbon around like a tree branch and said, put a water hole right here. Um, and now that I'm going back and looking at him, I'm like, okay, I can, I can do that. And I'm curious, like, I remember the conversation with him on as to why, but I'm like, uh-huh. like, why not move it? So like one of them, he picked, uh, he picked, he, he, uh, he picked uh, water holes and then a tree stand he was like sit in this tree and put the water hole right here and the mock scrape right there like that uh-huh. trifecta on all everyone on everything tree stand yep. water hole, mock scrape and so now i'm looking at one of the trees where he wanted a tree stand and we didn't notice it at the time but like 15 to 20 yards away there is a far better tree that i could get into and so i'm like uh-huh. okay well then if that's the case does that then dictate that i move the water hole um and i could call dylan and ask him but rather than that of course i just want to like figure it out on my own and yeah and and so now i'm asking you like what were the things that you were considering when where to put a water hole like if you have 
kind of like what you have a, a good spot in the woods, flat piece of ground. You kind of put it anywhere. Why did yeah. you pick the spot that you did? So box blind wouldn't be a bad example. Um, but I did put another water hole in the spring and I think, so a couple of things, one is access to that stand. You should, you have to have good access to get there because you can burn out a water hole just like you can a food plot. I don't know how many times you've seen or heard of people, they put this food plot in, they go sit it, and pretty soon all their deer are nocturnal or they just aren't seeing deer anymore and like, ah, the deer are gone, right? But they just been going in there, blazing this food plot, busting deer in and off of it, right? You can do the same thing with a water hole, right? It's the same thing. So access is something you have to think about, right? How am I going to get in and out of there? Just like you would any other one, right? So I'm sure... You know, you've thought of that, but if, mm -hmm. if anyone else is putting it in, that's one of the first ones. The second thing that I'm looking for is like our deer already naturally here, right? Like if you're trying to get deer to go somewhere, they aren't naturally already going. You're going to have a lot more struggle with that, the pulling deer in than if you put it where they already are, which maybe sounds silly, but the deer are already there. They come for a reason. They've probably been going that way for centuries. Or something changed with the dynamics of the property with trees down or houses or roads, and they find a different route that they want to naturally go. So if you're like, oh, I really like this open spot over here, I'm just going to put a water hole here and hope they come. Well, a, a few might, but are you going to get, like you just made the example of, uh, you know, a buck cruising going down to the, to the, the creek, are they going to go out of their way to go get water? Maybe, but, are, would, or would they go maybe a little further you know would they go a little bit a different trail or go down a different route to get your water right yeah so like that's probably gonna happen more so access put it where deer are and i would recommend between bedding and food right because you're trying to get them going on their way to food or or maybe a pinch point a transition where you want to get to stop them um you can get them coming out of you know, if it's near bedding, you can sneak in there. You can catch them coming out of a bed or going back to their bed to get a drink. Um, rut cruising areas, you can get them to stop. But then to your point, like you found a better tree. My thought process is if you're in the general area where the deer want to be, find the best tree for that access and the best hide for that tree, right? Like, let's say you got this beautiful um, cedar or pine or this oak with all these limbs that you can just get a stand in and just disappear. And your water hole was where in your case, maybe 60 yards or different location. I would move that water hole there. Like it, as long as it's in the general area, the deer already want to be, I think you're good to go. So my strategy is I'm finding a tree in this general area where I want to put the water hole. So I just put one in, um, along, this along our property line and I didn't have anything any stands over in this area and but there's a ton of bedding on the neighbor's property like I, and we had to go track a deer over there last year and I mean it was the thickest stuff I had ever been through like I know there's deer that fed over there so I knew I wanted to go somewhere along this line and then I, I it you know I kind of figured out where they're crossing at the most with cameras last year and then I find okay that's the tree I want to be in and so there was heavy trails near it and maybe, maybe they were crossing 10, 15 yards from where the water hole is. 
now they're going to come to that water hole, whether that's that trail moves directly to the water hole or it goes right through it. Like they're going to come to it, but I base that off of my tree. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. So like, yeah, I, I would you say you if, can't magically grow a tree, right? So you can't yeah, magically and, drop a water source. It, yeah. And if you're said 20 yards away and you want to move it a little bit and it sets up better, I, I'm pretty positive. Dylan's going to say, yeah, like I, I'm sure, pretty sure that's it. Like, I don't think it's, and maybe they maybe they have way down more of a science that very well could be, but I got to believe like he's picking the area because of the area and not because of that one perfect spot, right? Like right. you get that in general area, you have the right access and tree and how to get in there and where your wind's going to blow for that stand, and you're good. But that's another point if you're going to put a bunch of these in, is set them up for different winds, meaning. One water holds for an east wind. One water holds for a south wind. One's for a north, right? And right. sets those accordingly because we said we had a couple to start. We had two to start in like this this fall of 2020 was like 14 straight days of south winds, and it was hot and warm. And like now I'm trying to like make things work with the mobile setup, and it just doesn't quite work out the same. So now I have them set up where I can like all different winds i'm good to go so sure. you i can hunt a different water hole if i want to based on those winds yeah no I, yeah that makes sense um no i appreciate the the insight on the why um why you set it up where you would so when when and a couple of those couple of the the water holes he did dylan did pick like intersections of trails like put it right in here because yeah. like there's this intersection going on um he's like don't put it like right at the intersection of these trails, but you know, just off to the side of here. So it's easy for them to stop. You did make yeah. a, a great point. Cause there's been plenty of times where you're in a tree stand, whether it's, it's public or private ground. And, and obviously if you're dropping a water hole, you're going to do it on private ground, but where like your, your shooting window, your shooting lane is like three feet wide. And you're like, I got to see this deer coming from like 40 yards. I got to be drawn and I got to get them to stop right in this tiny little window and i gotta shoot them right like yeah. everybody has those those spots or at least they've sat them um and if that's that's the case like a water hole even a small one might be really good just to get them to stop there for a half a second or a second yeah. right yeah and and even like when i set my last one up i laid it on the ground and then where i thought it should go looking up at the tree and how things kind of laid out then i hung the stand and Sometimes those stands, right? Like you have to reposition them just a, a little bit differently. And I wanted a perfect seated shot at that water hole. So then I actually had to move the water hole like another couple of yards or, you know, feet. I had to shimmy it around based on where I put that sand. So I could just have a perfect seated shot. Like I didn't, my, I grabbed my bow. I could put it on like my bow hangs right there. I take it off, boom, I shoot them. Right. It's not, it's not like I have to stand up and turn around and I'm trying to make this as, as, no movement simple as possible to be able to make sure. that shot. Cause that's what you're doing with the water hole anyways. Right. So you try yeah. to make it as easy as possible on yourself. So like I go as far as to actually get this tree or get the stand in the tree hung up and envision where I'm going to trim a few limbs to be my shooting lane. And then I'll dig it in. Interesting. Okay. That's a good idea. And I'm just thinking that's probably like a two to three hour time commitment, like per setup. You're, yeah, if you're hanging stands and stuff, yeah, it would take a little bit longer. But like, 
Yeah. Uh, what are you using to dig the holes in? You can do them by hand or you got yeah, a shovel. equipment, a shovel. <laughs> yeah. So, so, but then you run into, well, just be prepared for tree roots or rock. Right. Or, Cause I know you guys got some big rocks and cliffs and stuff over yeah, there. So that's the other, yeah, that's the other problem. Cause you dig them in and some people say you can just set them on the ground. Right. Yeah. And then I had, um, I had a buddy on the podcast a while back and he said that, um, it was the, the water hole was buried in, but there was like a two inch lip all the way around. He's like, nothing touched it. And I dug it down two more inches and then everything started coming to it. Interesting. Yeah, and maybe. Yeah. That's, that could be, um, I would dig them in because they are going to get into them and they could, it depends on what type of style you're sitting there. If it's like literally like a cattle trough, you're not going to probably get into it. But right. if it's like one, a couple feet off the ground, you don't want to break it. And two, I'm just trying to make it look as natural as possible. Yeah. So I'm digging in. Now I do have like a little lip on mine that hangs up and it never, ever has bothered them. As far as I know, like maybe there's two yeah. that haven't been on it, but every big deer in our property drinks out of those water holes. Like it just, that is where we get pictures of them is one of our water holes and we may not get them on any other camera, but very rarely do I get them other cameras, unless it's the rut, they're just cruising and you get them one shot and never any ever again, but they're always using those water holes. And I haven't had an issue with how I dug them in or. Interesting. Um, so then the other question, the other question I had was about, um, like the clearing around. So like if you're, if you're dropping in a water hole and like, there are a bunch of smaller trees around that, are you like opening it up around that water hole? Or are you leaving it pretty uh, secluded and just trimming out just what you need for a shooting lane or like, so I, yeah. when I, so I've done this two ways. Once when I built my box blind, I trimmed out some shooting lanes and I got a little carried away in one area. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is going to be the perfect shooting lane. And then every deer would actually walk around that clearing that, or that shooting lane that I made, like out of range. Like they would like just horseshoe around that thing. And I was like, I, so I screwed myself there, but then I put a water hole in and then they didn't bother them as much. So the last one I put in this spring, um, I didn't clear it out. I have just a shot on the water hole. Like I made my hide the best I could and worried about my access. And there were some trees in there that I could clear out, but I was like, I'm going to try to leave this. It's going to be tight. And my shot is when their heads in the water hole drinking, that's when I'm going to kill them. And I have a shot for that. Um, so I've done it both ways and they both have worked. Um, but I would say start with, like leaving as much as you can and then if you know you're going to have this water hole forever in that proper if you want in that position so if you if something gets boogered up on a hunt you know and you're like man i should open this up like you can do it later on but you can't put a tree back there right so I, my recommendation would be try to trim just what you only what you can and not making this huge landing pad um yeah. just so they feel more comfortable going into it versus sure. all of a sudden this open area in the middle of the woods. But um, not to say that they can't hit it in the middle of the woods. It's wide open because you could put it in an oak flat somewhere and they'll come cruise through and they will drink out of that too, but that's natural in that area. Right. So you right. just gotta, is it natural for what the environment is? Like if it's a thick area and all of a sudden, boom, you have this helipad sitting there. 
you know, like, well, they're going to be, like, right. this is a little strange. So yeah, I guess you got to kind of determine, it d- depends yeah. on what's in that immediate area. Yeah. And I'm, I'm thankful that you said they'll hit it, you know, in the first few days, or, I mean, it only takes them a few days to find it because I've been trying to get as much work as I can done. And because of the, the uh, timelines of the food plot, plus the timelines of my life and everything I've been working mainly on getting that food pot ready and trying to, I mean, we had to clear out from scratch. Like there was nothing cleared. So it was just cutting trees and moving trees, you know? Um, so that we took, you know, I probably got close to 15 hours into just cutting and cutting trees and uh-huh. moving over over the course of like three, four days. Um, and then, and then I wanted to put in the, I was like, well, I, I just want to get the water holes in before September 1st. Like essentially Mm -hmm. like season up here this year starts on the 17th. So if I can get those water holes in, give them a couple of weeks, check them out. And then also put a camera on them and I can come in and like, if it's good wind, check the camera, um, see if it's a good spot, sit it regardless of what the camera says. And then I got another recommendation for you. Yeah. So I had a guy, I did uh, a podcast a few weeks ago with Exodus and we talked about water holes and the Exodus trail cam. I had a guy call me and talked about it and he owned like a 40 acre property or it might've been even smaller than that. It was 40 or less between 40 and 20. And he had a several, he had success with one and he put a bunch out there and he's struggling to get deer to come in and drink out of them. And I think it's because he over polluted the area. I, I didn't get in the conversation. I felt bad. Like, cause I don't know exactly why they're not hitting it as much for him, but like, I think he had too many. And I think it's just now they have all kinds of options or, and I don't know it's necessarily around him either that that could change things too. If your neighbor puts in three and you put in four, like, well, they have all these options and it's obviously going to slow down. Yeah. Um, but my advice would be start with one or two and try them out this year and see if they work. And like you said, your buddy, that, that lip dug in a little bit helped them or, like you're going to learn a lot from me just having one or two before you spend all kinds of time and effort digging these in. Like I would just try one or two and then see how they go. And then like, you'll have a season under your belt and be like, Oh, this worked well, or this didn't work well. And that would help you with the next one. I mean, even, yeah. even if you just put one in and try it this year and so I'm, and maybe it doesn't work very well on your property. I mean, that could be what happens. Maybe it's because, your neighbors around you, maybe they decide they watched Sturgis's video and they went out and put 17 of them out there and you have no idea. I don't know. Right. Like that could happen. So my suggestion would be like, maybe, maybe start with a couple and see how it goes. And if you're like, these are awesome slam dunk. Yes. Those locations I had before then, then go ahead and do it. Right. But, yeah. um, versus just, I know how much time and effort you're going to put into doing it. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, these two are good and I would change these two after hunting out of them. Right. right. So no, yeah, that's a great that's a great point to bring up. It's not like yeah, because like if you have if you have two bait piles of corn on you know 40 acres, those two might be great. But if you put 50 bait piles of corn out there, yeah, like that doesn't matter anymore. It's so diluted, right? I feel like right. they tie this whole thing back to Steve Rinella again. One of the things that I use all the time in my life now is taking things to the extreme, but on both ends, 
and then and then getting in the middle. So like I'm in sales, right? So some people will say, Anthony, that's too expensive. We can't do that. I'm like, okay, well, would you take it if it's free? And they're like, yep. I'm like, okay. <laughs> so somewhere between free and here, there's a point that you would pay for this. Right. And these are like the customers that I really talk yeah. I know really well and shit. And I just mess with them. I'm like, so what is that point? And I'll tell you if I can get there or not, you know? Yeah. And that's one of the things that like, um, that's always interesting is like, okay, well, this is, you know, it's not free, but it's also not a million dollars. Right. You know, if you could, if you could have a set amount of water holes, how many do you want? Maybe not just one, but certainly not 24. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's a, there's a number somewhere. So, um, that's, that's probably the premium for your property. The, the articles that I've read and people and the videos that I've watched is like roughly four per 80 acres, two per 40, a cent two per 40 is like on the higher end. You don't want to go more than that. That's, that's what I've read and seen. So like we have 110 acres with, with a Creek on it. So, I mean, like four water holes might be like plenty. Right. Yeah, and it depends on where they're at too and how like your property lays out and yeah. how they utilize it. And like, if you have this, a corner of the property that's only accessible from a certain way and, and they just cut the corner of it going from one property to the next, maybe that's a perfect spot for it. And maybe yeah. a couple hundred yards away, there's another good spot. It's just, so it's like, mm. it kind of, I would say it depends um, for sure. Yeah. But um, so I don't know. I just, so the three top priority ones that I have, like in my head, so again, we have a, we have, we own a Valley, uh, North Hillside, South Hillside, and actually like the, to the West end of the property, the, the Valley actually splits and wise. So we own a North, a South, and then also a North and a South. So like the middle of that Y on the top of that is going to go one because like that's in the middle. So if they're running the top of that Ridge up there, like there's no water up there, there's nothing up there. So we'd go up there. And then one would go up on the top of the north side on the other side. And then one would go on the top of the south side closest. To so like the, let me ask yeah. you this. Are those, is one of those three spots you talked about the best spot to hunt in the farm? I haven't found the best spot to hunt on the farm. <laughs> I think <laughs> the spot that I like the most is not one of those water holes. So, so there's, there's so yeah. I would say put it in one of those best spots. Okay. It, so where, like, where do you think your best spot of the farm is? And there's obviously reasons for that. You probably have great access. You probably have great transition or a pinch, or uh, there's a great trail there, or there's food. Right. Take food out of this. That's, I need to talk about that in a second here. But um, if there's a really good spot that's in, in the wooded area, right. I would say put a water hole in that yeah. area. Like, like magnify, make it so you have a shot on that deer in that area. Now, I say it about the, the food plot thing is I see people putting like water holes in food plots or right like next to them. And we have one that's 40 yards up on our food plots. And I would, I'm, I'm considering moving it. Um, and I, I don't think you should ever probably put one. You can, you can put them in the middle of food plot. They're going to use it but they're going to use the water hole just like they're going to use the food plot for food. Like, so you're not really gaining anything out of it, right? Like they're already right. coming there to eat. You're not gaining anything by putting water there. You're just putting water there. Um, 
you want to put somewhere where it's going to help you get it, something else out of it. So um, we have one that's near the food plot. And what happens is access is hard to get to it and getting in and out of there. Cause, and where my wind blows uh, is a blow back over the food plot. But like, so I had to resort to when I hunted back there this year, going inside food plot is I had a remote coyote call to try to clear off the fields so I could get out of there. Like I didn't, if I'm, by my, I sometimes have my wife come get me, but that doesn't always work or somebody come on the ranger, but that's not sure that kicks them off there, but that also affects the hunting through there, right? They keep getting yeah. ran off by a four wheeler. And um, so it just makes that difficult to get in and out of there or access it when you're, when you're that close to a food plot. So try to, I, mm-hmm. I'd say if your best spot is on the edge field edge or food plot, uh, then I wouldn't put a water hole there. I'd find your second best spot, but I, I would, somebody's listening it's like where should i put it like i would put it near one of your best spots because it's a best spot for a reason it was probably the best spot in that farm for 30 years like deer right. continually use that for a reason now just magnifies so you get more big bucks or bucks from different areas that want to utilize that for the same reason and oh they're going to stop here and get a drink and there's your 30 yard 25 right. 20 yard shot on them so yeah no know. that makes I sense i would consider that too yeah, I, I definitely will. So I really like that, you know, how I was saying that the middle of that Y is also the top of a ridge. And it's probably that the middle of that Y is, I don't know, 120 yards long. And I have it on the west end of it. And I like to hunt the east end of it. So it's, um, I think it would still capture the same deer. And I also think that um, it's a spot that I've never hunted before. Actually, that's not true. I hunted it a couple times um, and I saw a good deer on it. Like for whatever reason, they like these. uh, I've seen two shooters on this one trail. um, And one time it was like, it was one of those situations, exactly like what we were talking about. It was like, oh shit, there he is. Holy crap. He's huge. Get my bow, get my bow. And he's at 70 yards, like gone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, and if we had a water hole to stop him, like definitely could have had a better opportunity there. But um, the way I'm going to access it and and what tree I'm going to hunt out of is totally different now. Um, when now that how we look at it and how I access it and everything. So, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, yeah, I mean, it's on the west end of that that ridge, but it's still like because my favorite end is the east end. It's still the same trail system, just a different spot, and um, and I like that east end a lot. But I also haven't I haven't seen any big bucks over there. But I know I. I just like know they're there. They have to be uh-huh. there. I've got trail camera pictures of them over there. It's just um I sure. just haven't, haven't had the chance to to get. Uh, that's not true. I had one, the biggest buck on a farm. I didn't even know it was him. I was we have these boulders, right? So I'm climbing up these boulders and I was like, "Ooh, I'm going to access this. I'm so cool. I'm going to climb up these boulders. No deer are ever going to do that. I'm going to pop over the lip of this ridge and I'm going to get in the tree that's like 10 yards off this thing, right?" So I, I go to pop up over the lip of the ridge and there's the largest buck on our property. I didn't know it. He's bedded right up against it. No, he's standing there with a doe at 10 yards. Like just looking at me. <laughs> like what the and, fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Like, what is rock? this? And, and I was, I was so much lower than him. He was just, I could see the bottom of his neck and his face and his rack. I could only see his main beams coming out and he was looking straight at me. So like perspective <laughs> on how big that deer was, I had no idea. 
like because because he's like straight at you right so and sure. he's perfectly symmetrical on both sides so i couldn't tell if he was like a three point or a 10 point or a 12 point. Uh-huh. i couldn't tell anything about him he's just staring straight at me and yeah. you know i didn't have there's no way i could have shot him anyway like right you know 10 yards on the ground like he's but he saw you yeah, yeah, he, he knew I was there. Time. I think he still thought I was like a raccoon or something coming up the boulders. Could have. Yeah, so, he didn't know. Yeah, and I got. I'll send you the video of him. Um, because he ran back and stood in front of my one of my trail cameras for like ten minutes, just watching me messing with um, you. Yeah, yeah. He, so anyway, he's great buck, and he was right on that east end of that ridge. So I mean, they're there. I know they are. I just haven't. But like when we when we looked at that, Dylan was like. Dylan liked the east end of the ridge, but he's like, you don't need a water hole here because I think it's going to be a lot better on the west end of the ridge. Just with the way it the, the the trails funnel to a much better pinch point on the west end than they do on the east end. It's just the east end has a couple. Um, it's more a little bit more open, easier to access. So that's why I like it. Um, so but you're in the general area where they want to yeah. be. Right. So that now right. so you put a water hole that maybe you do make that the best area of the farm exactly yeah all of a sudden and the neighbor who owns the 40 to the west and i'm probably like 50 yards off the fence there the neighbor who owns that 40 doesn't hunt so so they're always coming out of his property and into ours yeah Yeah. that sounds like it'd be a good spot for so yeah we'll see we'll see what happens this year you know that's the first that's the number one that i'm trying to get in this year is that one so this sunday when i go that's when i went that's the first spot and it's a total uh got to hang a set because there's trees all over in there so i got to hang a set i got to trim it out and i got to put that yeah i I really appreciate that because i would have put the water hole in and then i would have hung the set um based well i would have just been like oh i'll just trim out a lane to the water hole but i'd rather make sure that i can trim a lane and i'm not don't have something big in front of me right right yeah, you get that because even like those stands, right? Sometimes like you just have to turn them a little bit, or they have to be a certain yeah. way so they sit in the tree just right, and that totally changes your angle of a yeah. nice seated shot to where you're perfectly shooting sideways, or you have to turn a little bit to your your right where you're, you're yeah. uncomfortable shooting or something like that. So yeah, yeah. Well, that's why you hunt out of a saddle, Greg Grant. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> right. I I I love hunting on my saddle. <laughs> but it's a there's a tool for everything right i mean and that's i'm a firm believer in like there's a tool for it like my box blind i hunt on a box blind i hunt i've hunt on the ground i'll hunt uh in a ground bl- just without a ground blind on the ground i'll hunt in a ground blind and a hay bale blind i'll hunt in ladder stands i'll hunt in hang on stands like i'd re- actually i'd rather hunt in a saddle because it's more comfortable um but well, my box blind with a heater and it's pretty fucking comfortable too. But <laughs> my saddle, if I'm picking any other stand, my saddle is super. I, I'd rather sit in that thing. It's way more comfortable. No shit. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think, uh, no, when I get out there, I'm going to, that's a great tip. Cause yeah, I mean, I've looked at the tree like 10 times and I'm like, okay, this is nice and straight. I'm going to hang it right here. Yada, yada, yada. And I'm going to put it up there and I'm not going to be able to get it there. Right. Like, I'll be like, oh, shit, I'm a stick short. How am I going to get up here? Or I'm this or I'm that or sure. Damn, I didn't realize this branch was in the way or, you know, the worst thing is like a tree that's like 20 yards away and the branch is up like 22 feet or something like that. Can't trim it down below or whatever it is. You got to like put your sticks up and then go trim it. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. Um, No, great, great points there. So I guess, yeah, that's my that's my plan 
next weekend is to get those water holes dug. Um, I appreciate the tips on the food plots too. Cause I, I think like, you know, I have a very similar mix going in um, and I'm going to plant mine. So this we're supposed to get rain like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Um, and mm -hmm. I hope it's not like downpour, you know, create some ditches and whatnot, but yeah, yeah I'm going to get, I'm going to get my seed in the ground this week to make sure that it'll catch that rain. And hopefully, you know, shit will start coming up in yeah. late September, I guess. Right. Do you yeah. do the, so one of the other things Dylan recommended was a week at, or a month after you plant, go back in there with winter rye and broadcast yeah. for it. Do you do yep, that? That's what, yeah. I'd follow the same thing they were doing with that. If you're using okay. that blend, I obviously don't put it in brassicas, not obviously, but don't put it into brassicas. I mean, that's a big thing Jeff talks about is not mixing any of those like brassicas should just be planted with just brassicas. Your other like forages, whether it's, I mean, so I actually use their blend, but it's like the late planted beans, the winter wheat, the peas, um, it, those types of, um, that's what you mix rye into. So I'll yeah. go back in and probably put rye like, and I don't know, I got an elk hunt coming up at the end of September. So I actually hope yeah. my buddy can take care of it. But <laughs> I, I, my goal would be like first week of September, or depending on rain would be like to get the first layer in. And then the next would be like a couple of weeks after that. They talk about um, once you get established to planting horizontally and not vertically, right? Because you're going to have these tall, you're going to have stuff coming up. and but you have all the space on the ground still, right? Like if you sure. spread those apart and you look down, you have all this open ground and, and that rye can grow right on top of one of these shoots. So the goal, the whole thing of like spreading it out is that you have different at different lengths and different growth coming at different times of the year. Um, and so then they can also just, when they're taking a bite, they can grab a whole mouthful, not just like one little stem at a time. You want to right. try to plant that horizontally and then you get different le varying levels of growth, which is it's, I say sweet or like the flavor of the deer, right? And when it gets to a certain length, like they enjoy that so that you have it at, coming at different times right? at, at, at varying lengths. So, mm -hmm. um, but the rye um, last year we had, didn't have, we had terrible rain and I put it out there and I was like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen with this. And it was like weeks and like I, I and it was weeks and weeks and weeks and it was like late september and all of a sudden we got rain and whoa at all like that seed that was sitting there it just all shot up and i had great rye coming up um nice. and so like that stuff can sit there for a while and it was just contact stuff like i had beans in there already and the beans didn't do very good so i put rye into them i had spring planted beans which um i did again this year because i had leftover beans and i'm never doing again because the deer just destroy them and i i yeah i planted over them again this year um but same thing where you put that you put that rye in and then it just it it's it could sit there on top of the soil and it doesn't the seed doesn't rot and when it finally rains whenever that is then it grows whether that's you know depending on your weather like still could be in october you could still get decent growth out of it so yeah interesting no that makes sense um is this your first elk hunt yeah. I, uh, so yeah. last spring, um, we went out and shed hunted 
And uh, it was a pretty cool deal where, so we went to Montana and we kind of fell into this thing, but we went to one of these, like, I think they're called a game preserve where they're closed from December 15th to May 15th. Yeah. And at May 15th at noon, they open up and we went to, it's called the sun river game range. And it's, um, it's west of uh, great falls and like other side of mountains of Kalispell basically. And noon, May 15th, there's thousands of people going in there. Like, hundreds of cars lined up like another gate there's like hundreds of horses like it's a huge event right and we stayed at like this uh, lodge and they have a bar there and it was just like a fourth of july party like i mean it was just like huge right and um people were bringing in horses and like so we'd heard about it and we went hiking through there and had a great time found some elk sheds found some uh whitetail sheds and uh, I, I had been putting in points in Montana and I wanted to do uh, I want to do an outfitted one the first time because I'd never gone before. And I also knew that if I was going to spend this much time and effort and money, like I wanted my best opportunity to be successful, even if that meant that I was going to spend some money. Um, I felt like I feel like I should have been doing this. Like if I wanted to learn on my own, I should have been doing this like 10, 15 years ago. Like I'm kind of I'm yeah. getting into this late, right? Where like, yeah. dude, I don't have this much time away from my family. I don't have, I can't just go for weeks at time with my buddies out west hunting. I I should have been doing that earlier in my life versus whatever else <laughs> I was doing, right? If I wanted right. to do it, so that was my thought process. Is it's like I can pay for a guide, and like it's kind of like a bucket list thing. Like we're taking, I want to take horses back in, and so we're taking yeah. horses 18 miles back in the Bob Marshall. And staying at their their camp there, and um, gonna learn from them, and uh, like so, I, and it's archery. We're gonna go last week in September. Um, I was set on going on a rifle hunt because I thought I could have better success with that. And then when I was out there, they talked me out of that and go going archery hunting. And uh, they're like, "You're once you hear the, those elks bugle in and you get them in close, like there's no there's nothing else like it." But the other thing they told me is that if you're doing like planning a trip earlier in the year is much more predictable than what you could get at the end of October, November, as far as weather wise, because mm. you could get a massive snow storm or something that just shifts animals migration or where they're at, you know, and, and then you have to go find them. And it's like, you know, where they're going to be, you're going to be able to hear them bugle in September. Like, you know, what's going to be happening. Right. So, yeah. um, so yeah, so I'm jacked and uh, I've been getting ready for the last year, <laughs> packing <laughs> what I need for the trip and getting in shape and practicing. So. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. Good for you, dude. That's that's fun. So yeah, I'll be doing my fifth trip out west. So and this will be, I it'll I don't I won't I won't say it's going to be my last. At, at all like i'll certainly be doing it again but i think like after this i'll probably start flipping so i've done five western trips and i haven't done any like really out-of-state whitetail hunts and with the family and stuff i pretty much every other year i take a week and just like disappear and do what i want to do and that has been elk hunting um uh -huh. so i think i'm going to try to flip that and do some whitetail out-of-state stuff um after after this one or or maybe even like some mule deer or something something different than elk i want to do something else um 
elk is dude it's it is it's exactly what the the outfitter said like when you when you're walking through the woods or when you get up in the morning and you just hear one rip in the middle of the night or in the morning you're you'd like you, all your hair stands on it and you're like fuck yeah, yeah let's go like yeah how fast can we get our shit ready when does the sun rise like yeah it is it is such a good time and and that's probably i would highly highly recommend and last week i had um uh fuck why can't tyler I... yeah tyler Tyler on the podcast and he was like, go with an outfitter. And that's what I would highly recommend too. Like if you're going for your first time, it's just, it's really like being a fish out of water. Like you can hunt like whitetails, but like out there, it's just a, it's, it's different. It's just different. So like, and you have, so you think it's, you think it's like, Oh no, I can go out there. We'll listen to him bugle. We'll go find him. We'll kill him, and it'll be good. You know, and yeah. it won't be that tough, but it's, um, and there are certainly people that go out there and just like, pop into them, you know, in the first couple of days and find one and kill one. But, uh, you know, the, the reason you go with an outfitter is to answer all those questions about, okay, like we heard them over here. What do we do? Like, do we go right at them? Do we go up and over them? Do we go down below them? Like, are they on the move? Are they bedded? Like, do you think there's cows yeah. with them? Are there not cows with them? What kind of bugle was that? Is that a big bull? Is that a rag horn? Like, what are the point unit? Like, the restrictions that we have, like there's all these questions that you're going to ask yourself. And like the biggest one you're going to have is like when you hear a bugle and you like look across to where you think you need to go and you're like, dude, I don't want to walk that. Is it, is it, is it worth dropping down this huge, you know, dropping 400 uh-huh. feet in elevation to climb 700 feet to try to get this thing and hope to God when it takes us an hour and a half to do that, he's still going to be there. Like, is that feasible? You know, like that's always the big question because that'll kill a a day. (laughs) Yeah. And like, I know how long it took me to just be able to hunt whitetails. And well, I mean, I've been doing it for since I was 12 years old. Right. And like how long it took me to figure things out or like even bow hunting, how much you just had to learn your own. And like, this is, learning all that over again. Like mm-hmm. I don't have, I, I just, so I don't have time to do right. that. I don't have the time. I don't live out there. I don't like, I get to go out there for, it's going to, I'm be gone 11 days and it's going to be difficult on my family. I got a year and a half year old and a three year old. Like, uh, like they're going to be missing me. Like I don't have, I can't keep, like, I can't go out there and like just waste my time learning. Like I need to expedite the learning, right? Like I need to, <laughs> right. like I need as much as I can get in at once and soak it in and hopefully we can get lucky. But um, honestly, if I just find a massive shed out there to bring home, like I would be happy with that too. Like it just, the experience, like doing wrong. I want to shoot one in the worst way, but like that would be acceptable to me too. Yeah. But there's also a, like, trout stream that goes right through where our camp's at and there's two outfitters that i guess have access to this area and the other one i met a guy uh through tethered and he goes out there and hunts every year and i I, like we just started talking about our hunts or whatever and so he's telling me about it but that place his buddies own that and they helicopter guys in for the day to trout fish because it's so good trout fishing there in this stream oh dang so like i, I mean this is just gonna be a oh, sweet trip i'm go, we're going on horses we're gonna trout fishing like 
we're going to area where I like, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be sheds out there. I'm sure people leave them and don't even worry about like, no, but you can't get back there. It's 18 miles on horses. Like I, it's so I'm just jacked just to be in the mountains. And honestly, last time I was out there, this might sound like super weird. Uh, and I heard, I seen somebody write this. There is like a, it's, she's a, an artist, but she hunts in the mountains all the time. But she talks about how like, she spends like months at a time in the mountains hunting in the fall. And she talked about how like the mountains changed her. And I was like, that's really weird. Like how, like, I don't understand how like, that seemed weird. And then I spent a few days out there and it's true. Like the mountains changed, like in like some of the most weird ways that you would never expect your mind set to change. Just like being out there and being, in the atmosphere in the mountains and thinking about it completely changed like how i think about things like i just went down this rabbit hole of like wanting to learn more about the west guy from the wisconsin illinois you know growing up in the yeah. flatland like reading or listening to books on tape about like how they settled the west and all the things that happened out there and then you get it down the road of like all the, the native americans that lived out there and how they treated the land how they lived off of it and like how wasteful we are as Americans and like just every facet of our life, like just how much we just waste shit. And maybe that goes back to, I never thought about this. Maybe it goes back to what I do for work, which is literally eliminating waste as an industrial engineer and continuous improving things. But like, we're just like water or like, I mean, you just anything in life, right? Like we're just how much stuff we just waste and take for granted. And like to think about the land that, how they used to treat it and how we treat it now. Like, and I don't know, it's just, uh, it just like made me think about that some of that stuff for the first time. Yeah. Whereas I never really considered it before. Like even like to the point where we are talking about those food plots, just really like that trip out there really encouraged me to not use or to go no till. And then like, it really encouraged me to just strive to not using chemicals Right. And just like right. after hearing about what we're doing, like we talked about with that, like just now, like, okay, that's my goal. Like I'm going to get a crimper and I'm going to figure out how to do this crimp, or I'm going to scale back my operation, my food plot so it's smaller so I can do it the right way versus, you know, just doing it to kill a deer or whatever. Like, I don't think it's really going to help me kill a deer, yeah. but just to do it because I can type thing. So I don't know, just that whole mindset of being out there kind of changed a lot of stuff i yeah. guess dude it definitely makes you like um i was thinking about this today and uh people's perspective on on life with um what's a big deal and what's not a big deal oh yeah right like that's like like you know there's certain people where you, you know your kid falling down and getting a scrape on their arm like that's a big deal you know and for other families it's like dude that's nothing like, I'm not even going to even look at it or even acknowledge that it even happened. Like, whatever, yeah. go, yeah. you know, and then other people like, oh, you know, take it up a notch. Like, uh, oh, you got fired from her job. That's a huge deal. Well, my neighbor just got back from being deployed and all he did was get shot at the whole time and he's still alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's not a big deal getting fired. Right. So yeah. like these these shifting perspectives. But at the same time, like to that person their baseline is just lower. So the yep. big deal is like higher. Right. And you get into the mountains and your perspective on, on, um, 
just like what life like I yeah it's hard to explain it but like your perspective on life with what is a vastly important and and what like you look at these mountains you're like fuck these things are huge like how did anyone I always I always wonder how the hell did anyone even get out here like I can see why the gold rush killed you know thousands of people because this uh-huh. shit's ridiculous you yeah. know and to come up here through the snow and everything and then you know, you gotta, it really like makes you feel like inadequate. Like you're like, okay, I am a little bitch. I understand Thank you. I appreciate it. Let me get back to Wisconsin where I can still run a mile and not die. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like yeah. There, there's just a lot of things that, that go into perspective when you're out there. And especially, you know, the, the thought of like, you know, if you break your arm or if you fall and break your leg, or if you roll your ankle or whatever, like, things can kill you much quicker out there. Right. Bears. Like, yeah. you know, you said, yeah. you got, like you're going to be in grizzly country. Like that is a problem, right? That's always something that's going to be on your mind all the time. So yeah, it's, it certainly is one of those things that'll give you perspective. And, and if you've never done it, like even just going as a, on a camping trip or as a friend to help others, like, and just taking a camera with you, taking your phone and taking a camera, like, just that, again, that perspective and that beauty and that awe of like, damn, these things are fucking huge. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's just, uh, it, it's, yeah, it's hard to explain until you do it. And again, people probably, maybe they listen to this and be like, man, this <laughs> laughing at me, but like, and I didn't, I didn't get it until you get out there, but um, no, I'm glad I experienced it. And like, like I said, I can't wait to get out there and do it. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. And I've like, been planning for a year so. And, been trying to like now i feel like i'm underprepared like i'm like now it's coming up i'm like oh my god right. like, i don't have time i still have to go uh, I got different loads for my gun and i gotta go practice shoot that and i gotta you know like i'm just all this stuff's going through my head right that like i need to do quickly here but yeah and then i'm all planting food plots for white tails back here <laughs> yeah i'll tell I you do it all i haven't even i haven't done any any training or any anything for it yet i'm going to same week as you so, hold on hold on I, I see you posting times for running all the time so <laughs> that's just maybe not like specific not, yeah. hiking and <laughs> or rucking or whatever yeah. but you're still in shape yeah 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 i'm not yeah i'm definitely i i am still like exercising and running and stuff like that but i'm not like hucking around a 50 pound pack or nothing like that I think like one of the things that, uh, that I did a lot right in the beginning and everybody I've gone with for the first time does a lot in the beginning is you put way too much stuff in your pack on day one. Oh, I already know I'm gonna. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So just like, like stuff just starts going out the door after day one. You're like, yeah, I didn't need this. Didn't need that. Didn't need this, but I'm an over preparer. Whatever. I know I'm going to be down that road. Yep. Yeah. And the worst thing you can do for yourself is, is get altitude sickness. So like, even when, um, even when we go, every time we go the first day, like, regardless of what you're feeling like, you don't do shit. Like, I mean, you don't even like when we were, when we nail up the, when we put up the wall tent and stuff, um, like everybody gets a steak, like you don't do more than a steak. Like, I don't care if you feel like you can do a bunch of, like you can do the whole, whole side, give someone else the hammer. Like you don't need to be a tough guy out here and I don't need to drive your ass back to town because you overexerted yourself and now you're laid on the floor 
for the next. Like what game. altitudes were you at when you when then you guys are facing that? Oh, uh, like nine thousand is usually like our camps at five. Oh, that's nice. So I don't think, I, based on what I'm hearing, I should it shouldn't be too bad. But um, and we yeah, didn't experience an issue like that when last time we we're out there. But yeah, no. So I I guess yeah the place where we're usually camping like the tallest mountain is like around 11 and you're camping yeah. somewhere between eight and nine and yeah, the one that, that we usually get to is around nine um yeah but i mean like even five thousand like if you guys are camp if you're camping at five and you're horsing it up to like seven or eight or something like that like that's still sure yeah that'll still affect you, get you for sure yep yeah oh yeah dude it's like the the jump from nine to eleven is ridiculous like like we'll drive up to like there was one day we drove up to 10 5 and then we hiked to to 11 and um dude that 500 feet it took us like an hour and a half to two hours like it was ridiculous <laughs> yeah i don't i never knew like understood how people hiked everest like like the how it worked for altitude sickness and how they'll do that but like mm. how they hike up and then go back down to camp and then they hike like they go up and down the mountain as they go up it just for altitude purposes and to have their body just like i don't know that's that's crazy but yeah they just take oxygen with them right yeah that's what a lot of people do um but uh but yeah man enjoy it that'll be a fun that'll be an awesome hunt that works that'll be fun um all right well yeah we're at about an hour and a half and I'm sure people are getting bored of listening to us by now. So, <laughs> so um, if people want to find you, triple threat retriever, right? Is it retriever or retrievers? Is there an S? Yeah, retriever. Yeah. But, okay. dude, I kind of stopped all social media, to be honest. Oh, no shit. All right. Good yeah, man. I, I, uh, I mean, it's still up there, but I was just this thing where I was using my phone too much and I was on it too much. Like, doing things that watching dumb reels or like scrolling through my feed and like just like numbing scrolling through like not even reading anything and I'm like what am I doing and it'd be like I just would like instead of going to bed I'm laying on the couch I should be sleeping or doing something productive my phone has sucked me in this black hole so I deleted my social media apps off my phone cut my my screen time in half so like I still have it and I go on to it um, like on the website on my phone, but it's such a pain because you don't have the app. So, like I use it as a tool or like once in a while I'll, I'll look at something or I need to look something up. I'll utilize it for that. But like I found out that like, and I just stopped posting and stopped caring. I was just like, I think something had to do with um, like having all right. So yeah, you talked about trip at the beginning and I was doing a lot of dog stuff and posting, like I had yeah. a ton of followers. I was selling branded gear and everything. And then Instagram changed their, the way they were doing things. Like all of a sudden now you have to pay to get your stuff advertised. And my like views on my pay, my uh, photos and stuff go from like 20,000 views to like a thousand overnight when they made that change in 2018. And then like it slowly started and then I kind of shifted away from that. Cause I was like, well, it, my, I had no, no more driving to my website that I'd built and I was selling stuff. Like I orders went from like double digit sales a week to like one, as soon as they did that, like it just completely flipped it. 
And so then I was like, well, I, I don't have time or like, there's not enough money in this to, to really try to push it. So I kind of shifted what I was doing on there and it came more of just like hunt, like a, my own page, I guess, more so than being about yeah. my brand. And, and then, uh, it seemed like the more hunting stuff you posted or whatever, it was almost like a shadow ban. Like I just, then I'm not getting any more, like I got like nothing out of it. And I was like, okay, I just, between the screen time stuff. And I just, I was like, there's no reason to, so I kind of just stopped overall just using it. Um, I don't know. I go on there once in a while, but I, it's kind of weird because I was posting all kinds of stuff and videos and all this information. And then all of a sudden, like, I just don't do anything now and it doesn't bother me. So I don't know. It's uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting thing I've done, but uh, I actually feel pretty good about it after doing it. But man, I would if I if I didn't have the, like the Deer Vein brand, like yeah. with the podcast and the and the tips and things that I that I post on it, I I probably wouldn't be on it at all. Like realistically, the reason I'm here is because at some point in my life I would like to make Deer Vein like a um, a financially self-sustaining business model doing something. I love talking to people. So I like doing podcasts. Like I, I enjoy this. Um, So I always want to continue podcasting. I think it's fun. I want to make sure like, I'm not just podcasting just to do it. Like I hope I'm, I'm bringing relevant information and I'm helping some people with it. Um, But at the same time, like other than that, I mean, if I didn't have like a reason Cause, and it may not be the other thing that I fear is like, it may not be next year. It may not be in five years. It might be in 10 years, but all of a sudden 10 years comes around and I'm like, you know what? I like, I could try to do this full time or I'm making 10 grand a year doing this. If I started making, if I went full time, maybe I'd make 30 grand in my first year and the next year, hopefully I'd do 50 or 60 and then I can easily live on 50, 60 grand a year. Like if that was something that I didn't think was possible, I'd probably cut, I'd probably delete Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and yeah. go wild and all that shit. I would, you know, what yeah. I try to do is I try to only, I try to only go on to see what I, whatever I want to see. Like uh-huh. if I'm going to like look at a friend's posts or, or I'm going to post something myself other than that, like, I don't like people hit me all the time on like my friends, my actual friends, like invite me to shit on Facebook and I never get it. And like, I never go on, I go on Facebook once a month, maybe now. Right. And I'll go on Instagram and once I'll go on Instagram a few times a day and then I'll go on TikTok once a month. But like, you know, I, I, yeah, I do my best not to, cause you do, you get sucked at like how good have they become yeah. at like getting us to just sit there and scroll through our goddamn phones? I know. Dude, and, I, and after I got, did that and kind of stepped away, like then you just see it. And I'm just like, oh, people don't even realize that, that they're sucked into this. So, and like, I don't know. It's uh, I don't think, I think all the stuff has evolved so fast that we haven't figured out how to deal with it yet. Like get yeah. humans, right. We haven't figured out like, like, it's, it's literally overindulging, right? Like, like I have all these beers in my fridge right now, but I'm not just over there slamming every single one in my fridge, but that's like what social media is, right? Like it's at your fingertips. So you're just nonstop. You pick up your phone and look at it. 
every time you're bored, you're standing in line and you're waiting for something. You pick up your phone and you scroll through Facebook. You're sitting at a stoplight. Oh, I better just pull my phone out here and I have to wait 30 seconds for a stoplight. What's on my phone here? What, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Or there's a lull in a conversation and you pick up your phone and look at it, right? Like, like people don't realize what you're doing and it'd be, it's no different than eating food or drinking something, yeah. right? Like you're just like, we're overindulgent and we have no idea how to handle it as, as humans yet. And I, I don't think some people do, but a lot of people don't. Right. And yeah. there's a lot of oversharers mm-hmm. on stuff and put, you know, the personal information people put out there and, and just like the current event stuff of like um, everything to do with politics and just like that whole realm of it. Right. Like, how everyone has an opinion and everyone talks shit to one another. But if you got in a room with those two people, they wouldn't say shit to one another because the other one would punch them in the mouth if they talk like that. You know what I mean? Right. To the other person. Like they're, they're saying things they would never ever say or never ever do on, on here because they because there's no there's no repercussions. There's there's no accountability. Right. There's nothing for it. Right. Like and like and then you get so I don't know. I just like it was just all that stuff was going on and I was like, you know what? I don't need any of that and so i deleted yeah. the, those apps i deleted the news apps off my phone i was like i'm just going dark on some of this stuff and i have certain ways i consume content through podcasts a lot podcasts whether it's news or hunting stuff or whatever right that's how i consume a lot of my stuff or youtube now and versus yeah. going on social media but no yeah. i yeah it's a great it's a great point and i like I said, I wholeheartedly agree with you. And one of the fun things to do is like, um, like I try not to be on my phone. So like when I travel for work and I swing into like a, I was, I enjoy going to uh very small non-chain like coffee shops, like in random towns that I swing through. Um, so like I'll go there and some of them, like, especially the big cities that I, that I'm in, like if I'm, I'm, I'm in St. Louis a lot and I'm in Chicago a lot. Um, and if I like go into a coffee shop and I just stand in line and I don't look at my phone and I just look around, it's like 90% yeah. of people there, oh, yeah. even with, if they're with other people are on their yeah. phone. Oh yeah. That's like, that's always the, yeah. You look yeah. at a table and three out of the three people are sitting there on their phones versus talking. It's like, eh, I don't know. But, right. Yeah. 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 How unimportant are those other three, those other people you're with that you're not even like interested in talking to them. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So don't find Grant. Just, just listen to the podcast <laughs> to find Grant. Go listen to the Exodus, yeah. the Exodus yeah. podcast on Waterholes. Maybe there's something else there. Um, but other than that, um, thank you. I appreciate the time tonight, man. I know yeah, family dude, you got to work tomorrow. I got to work tomorrow, but yeah, yeah, we'll have to have another catch up on the first week of October. Hear how you did. Sounds good. Yeah. 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 Sounds awesome. All right. All right. Hey, cool, if dude. you got questions on any stuff that when you're putting in your water holes, I think you got the gist of it now, but just shoot me a text or whatever. Yeah. I'll have know. to, yeah, I'll just call you I'll be like, Hey Sounds man, good. I'm in the middle of this. I know you're at work, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. I need help. Sounds good. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Thank you, Grant. Appreciate yep. it. And uh, catch you next time for everybody listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like subscribe um, and uh, put on the notifications, whatnot once a week. Um, and then as season gets into it, we'll, we'll be shooting for two, two times a week different strategies and tactics you guys can roll out during the season, whether it's early season, the pre-rut, the rut, late season, whatever it is. All right. Catch you guys later.